Hamilton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. Well, welcome to August, folks. How are you doing? Blue Jays on the tube here in the 630 Chad room. 3-3 with Baltimore, middle of the fourth, of course. Hyun Jin Ryu making his first start in over a year as he returns for the Toronto Blue Jays. So 3-3 with the Orioles in the middle of the fourth. We'll keep you updated on that one. Oh, man. Big day yesterday, of course, with the Elks making the change at offensive coordinator. Stephen McAdoo removed from that position. Jarius Jackson takes over. And to discuss that and who knows what else, we welcome to Inside Sports one of the all-time greats in the Canadian Football League. You see him every week, several uh, times throughout the week on the CFL on TSN panel. We welcome Milt Stiegel to Inside Sports. Milt, thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Just back home in Atlanta, uh, you know, getting ready for another week of football. But everything is awesome. All right, so Atlanta in the summer. Uh, I've been to Florida in the summer, not to Atlanta. Like, I just imagine humidity. Is that what it's like, or what is it like? Yeah, it it can get pretty bad. You know, between the hours of maybe 9 a.m. and 9 p.m., it's pretty hot. But I'm used to it now. Uh, First couple of years, it was tough, but I'm kind of used to it now. Just like I got cold in Canada, I'm used to the hot in Atlanta. Yeah, well, you're you're an all weather guy for sure, having played in Canada for so for so long. So, uh, your your friends, neighbors there, whoever, have they uh, become knowledgeable of the CFL through you? Like, do they follow it now because of you, or ask what's going on, or what's that uh, dynamic like? Well, it's funny you ask that. One of my neighbors, have, he was a, he's been an Edmonton fan basically since Warren Moon uh, was planned. So when I first moved down to Atlanta. Uh, you know, I didn't tell anybody what I was doing, but my neighbor just happened to find out that I was I was playing at the time, and wow, he he, he was just ecstatic. You know, we formed a great relationship, and he tunes into all the games because he's a big Edmonton fan. So he's not too happy about what's going on right now. But uh, I have some awesome neighbors. But I, like I alluded to, uh, he's in, he, he he's excited for a few, for the future, but he's not happy what's going on now in Edmonton. Well, and that's been a big conversation on this show. Well, really since the season started, because it hasn't been great since day one. So uh, before we talk about yesterday's change, I I wouldn't mind getting your experience and mindset of watching that game on Saturday, because that just felt so deflating, disgusting, hopeless, whatever word I want to use to talk about from some of the fans I've heard from. I mean, a lot of calls and texts on this show last night. What was your experience of watching that? Another shutout and really never even close to getting a point. It's tough. It's it's tough. Even if you're not, I mean, even if uh, you're not an Edmonton Elks fan, it's tough because you don't want to see a professional team perform like that. Whereas the second time, uh, they played a game against the same team, and you don't score a point. They didn't even get in position to score, kick a field goal in this game. You know, the defense did okay, had some some good plays, but offensively, you're looking at that like, what are we doing here? These are this is a professional team, and you can't move the ball. You can't, you know, you can't produce any 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 type of offense. That's tough to watch. And uh, as I said on the panel, they had no choice. They had. Uh, to make some move because moves because you can't continue putting a product on the field like that or 
or are executing a game plan like that and think you're going to get different results. Uh, you played with a lot of great quarterbacks, obviously, who, who got you the ball. Um, but I, did... I, played, I didn't play with a bunch of great quarterbacks. Hold on here. Okay, sorry. You played with some. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, but I guess that kind of leaves my question. Like To me, Cornelius, it's just the, the confidence just got obliterated. Like when you're when you're a team, if you were a teammate of a guy like that, is there anything you can do as a receiver, or is there a point where it's just like, oh my god, like he he needs to sit here. He's just kind of broken almost. It's tough. It, it, it's tough, and it's not just on Taylor. Of course, he he's the main culprit. He's not playing good football, but it's other pieces. But it's tough, and you talk about a confidence. That's the most important trait. Uh, for every position, but really quarterback to being successful. And it seems like his confidence is just shot because he wasn't having any success. Uh, he couldn't do anything offensively. They, they couldn't run the ball. He couldn't make any plays downfield. Uh, so his confidence is shot. So they had to make a move. Even if the, if the uh, individuals behind him, if they know this, they're not as good as him. And they know this apparently because they weren't giving him opportunities you gotta give them a shot now what do you have to lose you have to try something different so that's why they're going with either either daggy or trey four because they have nothing to lose because taylor cornelius couldn't get it done and it's just not on him i i i see them possibly making some other changes within their personnel because those guys aren't getting it done also so they had to make the move at the most important position but i wouldn't be surprised if it continues on, if we start seeing some more moves at other positions on their offense. Yeah, I, I, I'm wondering about that too. I, I mean, I, I, we've talked about the offensive line as well, which I, which I think is probably below average at best. Um, I don't know if they can overall all, all five guys. But before we get to the OC, let's let's touch on the line because I know Corny struggled throwing the ball, so that's an issue regardless of the line. But they, they I mean, they haven't got any sort of a running game going. I don't think in any. I mean, they've had a couple thirty-yard runs, but there's really been no consistent, grinded-out type run game. Not at all. And back before these other leagues got going, and before the NFL expanded their practice roster, it was easy to make those changes. You know, you you would get the the first cuts from the NFL, or you had guys at home because there were no other leagues waiting to play, but it's different now. You got the XFL and USL and NFL expanded their practice roster. So those guys just aren't jumping at a chance to get to the CFL now. It's a lot more difficult than what it was. You're hoping that you got some guys on your practice roster or you can plug guys off other teams' practice roster. But sometimes those guys just aren't good enough. Sometimes you have to stick with what you have, which is unfortunate. So I'm sure Chris Jones and G. Roy and, and their scouting staff are – are going all over the place, uh, you know, go, li- looking under every single rock, trying to find the best product they can. But sometimes it's just not there right now because what's going on in the States with the two leagues and the NFL expanding their practice roster. Yeah, that's a really good point. Milt Stiegel joining us then on Inside Sports. All right, so the, the offensive coordinator change was the marquee move yesterday. Stephen McAdoo has long been criticized in this city including by me, to be fair. Even in 2015, when they won, I, I I didn't like some of the very short passes and that reliance on Yak, and it was almost like he's trying to gain exactly five yards on every play. I know I'm oversimplifying it, um, but what did you see from McAdoo's approach? And, and, and the second part of that is, can a new OC actually make significant changes midstream to how they attack? Well, first of all, it helps when you have Michael Riley as your quarterback. I mean, that makes things easier. Uh, 
I mean, it, it, it was just lackluster. And as I mentioned, it, it's not all on one person. It wasn't on him. They don't have the, the personnel. But when you don't have the personnel to fit your scheme, you have to change up some things. And I don't know if he was uh, willing or able to do that. You can't stick with what you've been doing in the past because it worked in the past. When you don't have the personnel to do that, you have to change up some things. Uh, I don't know about the, the going down the field much. Uh, putting, uh, I, I thought Taylor should have actually ran the ball a little bit more. We saw how much success uh, we he had with that last year. I think he was a leading rusher out of quarterbacks last year. We didn't see much out of that. And it's hard for me to uh, to say what he should have, what he shouldn't have done when I'm not in that meeting room with him, when I'm not watching film with him, when I'm not uh, analyzing the film or or understanding what their personnel is. But from the outside, looking in, those were some of my uh, things that I thought he should have changed. But it's easy to say that Say that from the outside looking in. Uh, you know, you, when you move a guy from offensive coordinator to defense, that means they were pretty bad in my opinion. I think that's what they're doing with him right now. So that's saying, like, we totally want you on the offense. We want you to the defense. That says a lot about what you were doing as offensive coordinator. So let's hope he has some success with whatever he continues in. I don't want him, I hate to see people fired or demoted, but in this business, if you're not having success, you have to make a change. Yeah. Well, and, and well, and you're right. There could be other changes coming. I mean, they don't, they don't play until what next uh, Thursday. So that's nine days right. away still. Um, I, 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 I love interviewing ex players because I find, you know, they're very, you guys are often more candid than when you would have played. Uh, but I mean that uh, two words keep popping up when I talk to X. And you mentioned confidence already, but belief and doubt, and that's mm. kind of what worries me about the Elks, right? I mean they have been tied; they've been tied at halftime three times, and one time at halftime they trailed by a point. Lost all like to me. There's something. There's doubt. Like, can we really make the play in the fourth quarter when it matters, or even the third quarter? So I wonder what's going on upstairs now with all these losses mounting. Yeah, hope. Hope there, there, there's very little hope that you have an opportunity to win games because you haven't won games. And you've been able to hold some teams, uh, hold the game close, uh, you know, going into halftime. But you've also had two games where you didn't score a point. You didn't score a point. You had a game where you scored seven points, and you haven't won a game. And David Sanchez, now we always talk about this. I've been on teams where this happened, where guys are. And you don't want this to happen, but it happens. Guys will start thinking about themselves. You know, I got to take care of myself because they're going to start making some changes. And I have bills that I have to take care of. I have a uh, wife and kids. I have family. I want to continue living this lifestyle. So, yes, this is a team sport, but I have to make sure that I'm here. And once that happens, it gets tough. I've been in that 1997, Ryan, Jeff Reinbold's first year and, and Winnipeg. That, that seeped in because it was a revolving door. And once that start, guys start thinking about themselves. They start saying, okay, it's got to make sure I do my job. I'm not concerned with what you guys are doing. I got to make sure I do my yeah. job. And it becomes difficult to win games. And I guarantee you 100% that is what's going on. No guy will admit that, but that's what's going on in that locker room. And I understand it's human nature. It's human nature. Yes, it is a team sport. But at some point, you got to say, I got to take care of myself. It's unfortunate, but it how it's, it's how it works. All right, and thanks for being so generous with your time. I'll ask you one more, and I'll give my opinion first, so I'm not just one of those guys that doesn't give an opinion and asks a tough question. I think it's BC, and I think Toronto's close, and I think Winnipeg's third. Who's the best team in the league right now? It's Toronto. You think it's BC? No, it's Toronto. 
it's Toronto. Those, those guys make plays all over. Uh, you you see they have the MOP and Kelly, and he didn't even play well against Saskatchewan, but every other facet, special teams and defense stepped up. And when BC and Toronto played each other, I knew Vernon Adams had the worst game possible. He threw six interceptions. They won the game. Toronto, they are the best team right now. It's going to be a dogfight between BC and Winnipeg this this upcoming Thursday, but Toronto's number one. I'm going to put BC two right now, and my Blue Bombers are third. I hate to say that, but I'm an honest man, and uh, it's go Toronto, BC, and then the Winnipeg Blue Bombers right there. I can't believe you don't have Toronto number. They're the only undefeated I, team. I know, and I know they beat BC. I just think all round and BC on the defensive side of the ball that if it really came down to one game, they'd figure it out. But that's just one yeah. man's opinion. Yeah, no, I hear you. That, that defense, Ryan Phillips, he has those boys rolling. He has them playing well. But Toronto with Chad Kelly and, and everyone involved, they're, they're my number one team right now. Milt, this was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sports, and we'll see you on the tube this weekend. Sounds great. Thanks for having me. Take care. That is Milt Stiegel. Love talking to him from the CFL on TSN and, of course, one of the best players all time in the history of the Canadian Football League as uh, he shares his views on the woes of the Edmonton Elks. Uh, will the quarterback and offensive coordinator change make a difference uh, of course still i think serious concerns about the offensive line and as milton and i touched on just the confidence just the belief of this team can they actually get it done and finally get a win that section of inside sports presented by cougar paint and collision our family helping your family for 40 years we had a lot of your reaction yesterday to the uh, offensive coordinator and quarterback decision uh, we banked some of those messages so we can catch up on them today because we lot of a uh, lot of got a we got a lot of good ones we want to read and of course you can chime in today as well on that or whatever else is on your mind. The hotline is presented by Certainty, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainty Pro all the way. It's seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can send an email inside sports at six thirty ched dot com. Also coming up tonight, Steph Labbe, one of our city's greats. Of course, long time with the Canadian women's soccer team. Now the GM of the Vancouver Whitecaps. Uh, she'll touch on the women's team getting eliminated from the World Cup. And we love doing this a couple times a year. Wayne Wagner from Wayne Sports Cards and Collectibles is going to drop in. So if you have uh, questions about sports cards collecting value, like Wayne can't necessarily give you the exact value of a card just by text to get in but we can you know talk generally about stuff send those in as well 780-496-0063 back in a couple minutes inside sports with reed wilkins is brought to you by james h brown and associates alberta injury lawyers go to jameshbrown.com all right appreciate you tuning in tonight Kellen Kennedy down the hallway in the 630 check control room. Kellen, how are you, my young friend? Well, hello. Oh, wow. <laughs> Doing my best Mrs. Doubtfire. Sounded like Mrs. Doubtfire there. Well, yes, that's, there you we never go. know. All right. Uh, so we had a lot of reaction yesterday to the mm-hmm. uh, 
change of the offensive coordinator. I know you banked some of the messages that uh, that came in uh, on the uh, on the text line seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Let's catch up on some of those now because I know a lot of people took the the time to send in their thoughts. Absolutely, and we got a lot more coming in tonight as well. But we will clean out the box from yesterday here, and we'll start with Laserface Larry. You texted in and said, uh, "Read by making this change now. The Elks have wasted several games doing which they could have uh, been developing Daigie." and or Ford. Uh, it's been clear all season that Cornelius couldn't move the ball and was sorely lacking in confidence. I'd have sooner seen Daigie chucking it or Ford running around and causing chaos the last few games than Corny missing throw after throw. Uh, that one's from Laserface Larry. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i kind of of that general school of thought as well. I certainly, I mean, I was leaning towards Daigie. I know a lot of people want to see Ford play. I know Daigie played against Ottawa, didn't do great. I would have sooner given him more starts and see what he could do because I kind of feel like I already knew what Cornelius um, could do, which unfortunately wasn't much. Daryl texting in just simply says, Reed, once Elks find a groove, it will show. Otherwise, let's keep moving forward. Well, let's hope they find some sort of a groove because just in a rut right now. I mean, look, it's sports. Crazier things have happened. Maybe they could uh, maybe they could have a few good games and, and maybe bank some wins, uh, but it, it just feels like they're a long way away from that at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neil texting in and said the Elks getting shut out overshadows another bad job by the officials the past interference calls against the Elks were all ticky tack and then the ref flags the guy for yapping off about his awful call I'd hate to be a defensive back in the, in the CFL you basically get flagged for even breathing on a receiver that's from Neil uh, well I, I, there were a couple PI, PI calls against the Elks that I, I agree were ticky tack on Saturday but not the reason they lost the game Mm-hmm. Uh, and quickly, I'll get to Sam. He says, okay, so let's take a look at the work of the football genius Chris Jones. Number one, employs an offensive coordinator who has long been considered conservative and unimaginative. Two, gives guaranteed money to a quarterback who can't make a basic throw most of the time. Three, employs a place kicker who can't even make anything longer than 35 yards. Let's face it, the Elks won in 2015 because of Mike Riley. Uh, that's a very defensible argument for sure. And you, you need a quarterback, right? And... Uh, Jones wasn't able. Now, maybe one of these two guys is going to be better, but certainly uh, quarterback play a big part of the 0-8 record. 780-496-0063. It's Inside Sports on Chet.